This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. For more than two decades, James Bamford has been a noted investigative journalist focusing on intelligence gathering in the United States. In the 1980s, he exposed the ultra-secret National Security Agency in his book, The Puzzle Palace, an award-winning bestseller. Now in his most recent book, A Pretext for War, 9-11, Iraq, and the Abuse of America's Intelligence Agencies, Bamford focuses on the Bush administration's use of the 9-11 attacks as a pretext for a long-planned invasion of Iraq, an invasion that CIA analysts were pressured into endorsing. Bamford was, until recently, Washington investigative producer for ABC's World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. He is also a plaintiff in an ACLU lawsuit that charges that U.S. spying programs violate Americans' right to free speech and privacy under the First and Fourth Amendments of the Constitution. James Bamford, welcome to Weekly Signals. Uh, Thanks. I look forward to speaking with you. Uh, how are you doing today? Everything very good. All right, very you're, good. You're, we're calling you in D.C., right? That's right. Yeah, I'm in are D.C. You, were you blanketed by all the uh, by the snow back there? Oh, we had one day's worth of snow, and then it sort of disappeared. It was, uh, you know, sort of a brief snowstorm, but it was, I think it's the only snow we've had this year so far. Okay. Now, right, right now, you're one of the the many. Uh, prominent Americans who are plaintiffs in a lawsuit against the National Security Agency. What do you hope to accomplish in this lawsuit? Well, the ultimate goal would be to get the NSA to stop its illegal spying and yeah. to uh, get an accounting of, uh, you know, what the program was about, about who uh, who was spied on and uh, whether there were violations of, uh, of the law in terms of eavesdropping on innocent civilians. Do you have any feel for the success of it so far, or is well, so, you know, lawsuits take so long. I mean, it was filed about a month ago, and then the government has, has 60 days to respond and so forth. So it's a, um, um, a slow uh, process in uh, um, the way judicial systems work. So uh, I don't know if we're going to hear anything for, you know, weeks or maybe a month or something like that. It is to force the agency, force the government to disclose information about the, the program, isn't that, is that correct? Yeah, basically, uh, like I said, there's two functions, basically. One is to get the court to review this. Uh, this, you know, operation has never been reviewed by a court. They, mm-hmm. The whole idea was they uh, avoided the court. They avoided the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, which uh, regulates this kind of activity. And then uh, the purpose of the lawsuit is to have uh, some judicial review of, uh, of what took place and, uh, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. order order it shut down or, or order it to uh, order the NSA to um, disclose uh, the identities or the, the types of people that they were eavesdropping on. They, um, there's been some political maneuvering of late in, uh, in Congress over uh, the – it sounds like Roberts from – Senator Roberts from Kansas has been trying to maneuver some kind of a – or broker some kind of a deal uh, over, on this. Um, can you – well, there's been uh, uh, the the problem is that the Republicans are fairly uh, united in in uh, trying to keep this away from a 
a congressional investigation. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's one of the problems of the system, the way it works, where you have one party can literally uh, mon have a total monopoly over uh, government action in, a, in Washington without any checks and balances. The Democrats can't hold a uh, yeah. hearing, can't subpoena witnesses or anything else. So what they're trying to do, basically, is to... Uh, um, um, give a, uh, a stamp of approval on this by uh, proposing legislation to uh, authorize this without really um, doing the uh, the necessary work of uh, looking into what happened and, and um, enforcing the law, which is basically what uh, what's supposed to be done. Am I understanding this correctly? They're, they don't obviously they don't want to look into it because they're they're going to it's going to be revealed that this is pro in all probability illegal president committed an act uh, an illegal action and so they're what they're saying is we're just going to pass legislation that makes it legal is that what you're yeah that's uh, basically <laughs> what they're going to try to do i mean it's sort of a, a congressional version of a whitewash oh my goodness uh, so um um that's the way uh, there's a, you know one or one or two uh people that are bucking that i think the principal person who's uh, really standing up and uh not allowing this uh, so far anyway has been uh, Senator Specter, head of the Judiciary Committee, who held a very tough hearing um, with uh, uh, Attorney General Gonzalez. Yeah. But whether it'll go any further beyond that, you know, at the hearing, uh, they asked him if uh, if he'd have any objection to calling. Um, it's a committee called uh, Attorney General uh, Ashcroft, former Attorney General Ashcroft, and his deputy. Um, uh, by the name of Comey, who was uh, opposed to this program, and um, Ash and uh, uh, Gonzalez uh, said he didn't have an objection. Well, all of a sudden now the White House is is saying that uh, they're not going to allow the committee to call either Ashcroft or Comey. Now, now Ashcroft had a objection to the program, also, not just. No. It, it appears that he. Um, what I mean, the scenario that's come out so far was that uh, Ashcroft had to go into the hospital for some uh, medical uh, procedure, and uh, his deputy, Comey, was uh, in charge. Uh, I think it's James Kobe, Comey. And uh, they went up to him for uh, one of the, the regular approvals of this program, and uh, he said he couldn't approve it. Uh, and uh, so they got very worried, and they, the White House uh, chief of staff and a number of other people went over to the uh, Ashcroft in his in the hospital and ask him to uh, uh, approve it uh, because Comey wouldn't do it. And then uh, you know the again these are reports that I've seen uh, mm -hmm. in the press basically, but they uh, they seem to be consistent in that uh, it sounded like Ashcroft uh, also refused to approve it, and that's why the program was shut down for a few months until they worked out a new procedure. My goodness. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your new book, uh, A Pretext for War. Um, I'll give the full title, A Pretext for War, 9-11, Iraq, and the Abuse of America's Intelligence Agencies. Why don't we talk a little bit about, well, how how much of the intelligence was cherry-picked, doctored? Isn't that, the consensus now is it was the intelligence leading up to the war in Iraq was, was if not doctored, cherry-picked. Right? Um, I think it was both, yeah. Yeah, actually. it was both, okay. Um, uh, the, um, and that's pretty much the consensus that's been coming out now. Uh, I mean, it wasn't doctored in, in, in the sense that it was 
phony it up. What what happened was that it was uh, uh, there was a lot of people that uh, came up with information that was totally invalid. Uh, mm-hmm. Information from defectors that was totally made up. Um, in addition to to other information that was uh, cherry picked. Uh, in other words, reject the good information. Just pick out the bad information that supports your your conclusion. And um, uh, you know, slowly but surely, as people are leaving government, um, this is uh, becoming confirmed now. I mean, first mm-hmm. you had uh, uh, Colin Powell's chief of staff, Larry Wilkerson, who came out very uh, uh, mm-hmm. angrily uh, talking about how the uh the intelligence was uh totally abused and how um they were given all this bad information uh which is the information that Colin Powell ended up presenting before the United Nations so he's come out very strongly um publicly uh about all the um uh behind the scenes activity that the Bush administration was doing to push the war and using bad intelligence to do it, and well, what, and then Paul Pillar, uh, Paul Pillar just came out um, uh, last week or so, and he was the head of the Near East Division at the CIA, mm-hmm. and he basically said the same thing. Now, um, didn't Powell, who hasn't come out and said anything as quite as forcefully as Wilkerson has, didn't he say it was the one of the worst days of his life? Wasn't as close as he's come to saying anything? about his performance at the U.N.? Yeah, and he's also apologized, uh, I think, at least on one or two occasions mm-hmm. uh, for, um, you know, passing on bad information. But he uh, seems to, I don't know, have this obsession with uh, um, um, loyalty to uh, to an administration that screwed him. So yeah, let, I, I, don't, I don't understand his, the psychological makeup of his uh, character. Well, I'm going to offer a, a theory, and that is that <laughs> That he's a careerist. Uh, I think from from the beginning of you, you look back on on uh, Powell's um, trajectory in government, it seems that he's certainly more interested in serving people in power than he is about anything else. But um, I want to ask you this: is kind of a, a little bit of the kind of the crux of it is is much has been made about um, Joe Wilson, his op-ed piece in the New York Times, and then of course the outing of his his, his wife. Um, it goes back to the information in Niger uh, on the the, uh, uranium. There have been reports that that information was, it came out of an Italian intelligence source. Yeah. And that there's been a lot of speculation of late that that was information fed to them by the U.S. government and then fed back to us. Do you have any any, uh, take on No, I mean, it's such a um, convoluted... Story um, okay. um, and it's uh, sort of a uh, um, filled with landmines of uh, people um, injecting uh, scenarios that aren't necessarily true. I mean, the basic story I think is that this guy, I think his name was Rocco Marino or Martino, um, um, sort of an Italian comment, was the one who uh, got the documents, and he got the documents. You know, that's the question: Did he get them from somebody in the Italian? Intelligence service, or do you get them from somebody from Niger, and and then uh, yeah. then he passed them on um, to uh, the reporter from the Italian magazine and so forth. So I mean, that's an area that okay. there there are a few people I think that are pursuing that now. But, okay, I was uh, just curious what you if you had a take on. I don't want to get too far into 
sort of the minutiae of it, but it was obvious those documents were doctored in some way. They were obviously oh, forged. No question that they yeah, were. So, so, I mean, they had the wrong dates, they had wrong names yeah, on there, right, wrong right. seals. I mean, it was as sloppy as you can possibly Sloppy yeah. as you can get. Well, what kind of an effect has, has these last few years had on the NSA and, and the American intelligence community in general? Um, how has it been impacted by all of this? Well, um, I think the CIA is, uh, uh, was impacted dramatically because they, um, um, you know, they come out looking very bad. All the, uh, I think the people in the, so the worker bees, the people that I sort of deal with, um, they got it right. They were the ones who were suggesting all along that there wasn't anything over there. Mm-hmm. Which is the whole reason why the Pentagon had to do this cherry picking to to get around that. The problem was uh, the, all these people's boss, uh, George Tennant and his uh, deputies, um, they uh, decided to. They had a choice. They could have either relied on their own uh, employees and uh, bucked the uh, White House uh, and the Pentagon by saying our intelligence doesn't show what your intelligence is saying at all. Uh, but uh, instead of doing that, Tennant uh, and his crowd up there on the top floor of the uh, CIA building um, all uh, uh, saluted and said, uh, yeah, we agree 100% with what you're saying. That's why he went into the White House and said, you know, slam dunk, yeah, they've got uh, weapons of mass destruction. He said the same thing to Colin Powell. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, his own analysts weren't saying that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's very easy to tell whether a country is going to be a nuclear threat or not. Um, it's hard to tell whether they're building a warhead, but you can certainly see whether they're building a delivery system, right. three-stage nuclear, uh, three-stage ballistic missile. I mean, it's not something you could hide in a building. Yeah. Uh, so um, anyway, there was no intelligence that they had any potential threat to the United States, and that's what was continually coming out in, in previous years from the uh, CIA and then, uh, George Tenet, um you know, completely uh, folded and uh, went along with the White House. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with James Bamford, and he is the author of a new book, A Pretext for War, uh, 9-11 Iraq and the Abuse of America's Intelligence Agencies. Um, I wanted to, you, uh, where, what's the blowback now? I mean, uh, I guess as, as, as the these people begin to leave these agencies and they begin to describe, we had um, uh, Karen Katowski, Katowski, Katowski yeah. on to describe what was going on in the um, the office of uh, special plan office of planning special planning, special planning yeah. to office describe how planning. they had pretty much, but the Cheney uh, people had fairly pretty much infiltrated her division and they were in the process of really cooking up the information. But I guess what I want to know is, I mean, you. How? What's the morale of the of the CIA or the people in the CIA now and and in the NSA? What? Are, what how are they do, dealing with this? Well, the morale in both places is pretty low. It's very yeah. low at the CIA because um, yeah. they've had uh, uh, you know an enormous bad publicity for so long, and uh, a major change for the first time in its history. It's all of a sudden lost its uh, uh, gloss as yeah. the uh, nation's premier intelligence agency. It's just uh, uh, one more agency out there now. Yeah. Uh, since the director of the CIA is just the director of the CIA, he's no longer the director of the whole intelligence community. 
so um, it, you know, it's it's been um, traumatic for a lot of people. Well, I, I guess what I what I meant to ask you, better way to say this is. What kind of an effect is this having on American assets overseas? What kind of what are, we must have lost? Uh, well, obviously we've lost a lot of credibility. What kind of an impact is it having in our ability to gather information around the world? Because in this process, we, uh, particularly with the Plame Gate, if you want to call it that, the outing of Valerie Plame, the she was involved, as I understand it, in trying to gather information about Iran's nuclear capabilities. There, that must have had a tremendous impact on the ability of the United States to be able to gather information. I mean, well, I, yeah, I, I just haven't been able to talk to a lot of people overseas. But yeah. my impression is that, yeah, it, uh, it certainly uh, has an effect. But I don't, you know, that the U.S. has these long-standing relationships with intelligence agencies overseas, and I, I just think they, uh, you know, they just keep on going. Mm. They're not going to. Uh, Give a, I mean, they they get a lot of times more than they give, um, so it's a uh, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship to a large degree. They're not going to just stop giving the United States information mm-hmm. because that would mean they're not going to get any information. So I think it it, it affects the uh, I mean the image of the CIA and all that. But I don't I don't think there's intelligence agencies that they're dealing with that are going to say we're going to stop dealing with the CIA. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about the uh, the in, the NSA's program here in the United States. Um, there have there have been those who have speculated that in addition to looking for um, terrorists and and foreign agents, that uh, like Richard Nixon back in the uh, the uh, late sixties and early seventies, some of the program was directed at his internal political enemies. Do you think there's any credibility to that charge? Well, that's the whole purpose of this lawsuit is yeah. to find out who the target is. So, you Obviously. know, we, nobody knows, not even the judges on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court who have uh, enormously high security clearances yeah. don't even know. The the members of the uh, House and Senate Intelligence Committee uh, don't really know. Mm-hmm. Besides the, the briefing, the sort of um, uh, briefing they got, which wasn't very satisfactory, according to some of them, mm-hmm. um, so they don't know. So that's the that's the uh, nobody knows. And if the administration and the Republicans would have their way, nobody will ever know. And that's why uh, mm-hmm. the only solution, I mean, the only game in town in terms of trying to find that out, is uh, this lawsuit. Well, you uh, there was anecdotally anyway. There's there was the information about the spying on the Quakers and those kinds yeah. of groups. Uh, we do know a little bit about it, so it does seem. But that was not by the NSA necessarily. I okay. mean, that, that mm-hmm. wasn't electronic surveillance mm-hmm. by the NSA. That was, that was just physical. intelligence gathering. But, yeah, largely physical intelligence gathering. But it, what it does show is that um, that those are targets of intelligence. So if they're the target of of the Army's uh, um, physical intelligence gathering, they mm-hmm. could be also the targets of the NSA's electronic intelligence gathering. And as I wrote in... Uh, uh, my first book, uh, uh, The Puzzle Palace, uh, the Quakers were a, a target of uh, of the NSA during the um, Watergate period. Uh, so, yeah, it's certainly not beyond comprehension that they are targets once again. Yeah. How is that justified? Uh, you know, how do they go about justifying that they're uh, you know, looking into what the Quakers are doing? What 
What threat do the Quakers pose to the United States? Well, I mean, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, what, but, um, what was their response? Going back to the you know the Nixon era. I mean, what was well, the there, there, I mean, the reason they gave was that uh, the Quakers were uh, very supportive of the anti-war movement because they're pacifists, mm-hmm. and uh, and that they're um, they were providing you know uh, moral support or whatever it was. It was the same reason these dropped on other. Uh, 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 terrorists such as uh, Joan Baez, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they were afraid she was going to throw one of her record albums, <laughs> somebody, or you know, uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock, the pediatrician. Right, right. Um, you know, these were these were the threats that NSA was eavesdropping on, um, and you know, when they were able to do that because there was no regulation, there was no law that prevented them from doing it, um, and that's why they created the. Vice Act, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, and now, you know, since 9-11, we're back to the old days where there isn't a, uh, there is no protection since they are going around the FISA court. Yes, things have pretty much gone full circle for you, too. At at one point, you were, uh, what, disparaged by the uh, NSA, and then another point... Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they threatened me with prosecution. Oh, yeah. is that right? Okay. Well, the Justice Department did on behalf of the NSA, yeah. And then that was, I, uh, was my first book, uh, The Puzzle Palace. Right. And then uh, later on, you were honored by the uh, NSA at a, at a book yeah, signing. Yeah, the sequel, uh, which was Body of Secrets, um, um, that came out in um, May of 2001. Um, they had a book signing for me at NSA. And, yeah. you know, the NSA cooperated a great deal. They, I had, tour, had tours of the agency, interviews with senior officials, and, and they had a book signing for me. So, um, um, you know, my writing didn't change at all, but the attitude of the agency had changed quite a bit. Um, and I defended the agency in a number of places, uh, like in um, uh, before the European Parliament in Brussels, where I uh, argued that I didn't believe that the NSA was eavesdropping on, on uh, European... Uh, corporate communications and then passing that information on to their American competitors, uh, like you know, General Motors or mm-hmm. Boeing or whatever. Um, so, you know, there's been times when I've uh, defended them or, you know, I make the decision based on what I, I feel. I don't have any obligation to NSA to do either one, but I think if I'm going to defend them when I think they're being wrongly accused, I'm going to go after them when I think they're being rightly accused. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a possibility that uh, the NSA might be helping American business interests today? I never thought there was any possibility of that at okay. all. At any time. Okay. Um, no, I mean, they help them in the sense that if they happen to, I mean, they have to spy on businesses overseas mm. because some businesses, you know, supply embargoed equipment or embargoed chemicals or doing business with uh, uh, countries that, uh, you know, are, are embargoed from the United States. Um, and I think in the course of doing that, um, you know, now and then they'll they'll pick up information on on bribes being offered or something like that. Mm-hmm. And actually, under the law, uh, it's actually under the FISA law. Uh, if NSA comes uh, across uh, the violation of a U.S. law and bribery, certainly U.S. Uh, anti-bribery is a. Uh, bribery is a, uh, against U.S. law, they have to pass that on to the FBI, so they do that, and then the FBI turns around and uh, briefs the company that, uh, you know, there's some shady deal going on. Um, 
but I think that's the extent of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're looking for the sales figures from uh, um, uh, Peugeot or something to yeah. pass on to uh, okay. Ford Motor Company or or whatever. I mean, I, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. you know, if they did that, then they have to do it to GM and Chrysler, and then how many of those people they have to give NSA clearances? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine yeah. NSA saying, "Oh yeah, we'll give clearances to the sales manager at, at Ford." Uh, I mean, it's absurd, but yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, I mean. It's, they have the, obviously they have the technical capability, but um, and from a European perspective, where there is probably a lot of sharing of uh, corporate information with, uh, I mean in Europe you, you have a lot of companies that that are government owned, um, so they're almost one and the same. But you don't have you know government owned companies here. Right. Let me just kind of completely switch gears and. Right now, do you think that uh, George W. Bush has committed any impeachable offenses? Well, sure. He, yeah. he violated the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which yeah, is right. a uh, criminal statute uh, carrying five years in, in prison if uh, if you violate it. Uh, that act was created for just three people, really. I mean, there were only uh, basically three people that were going to be uh, 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 come under the law, the president, the director of NSA, and the director of the FBI. Those are the only three people that have anything to do with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. They're the only three people who can authorize, deme- uh, you know, domestic uh, eavesdropping in the U.S. What people don't remember is that I believe the second article of impeachment against Richard Nixon was for illegal wiretap. Well, exactly. It was for doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. He called the uh, director of NSA into his office, into the Oval Office, and ordered him to begin eavesdropping domestically, and that uh, eventually became one of the articles of impeachment against him. And it, Ironically, he, he canceled that order after just uh, a week. I mean, this, you know, Bush's order has been going on for over four years, but Nixon canceled the order within a week. Um, uh, the problem was the NSA liked doing it so much, they ignored the order and kept doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, uh, yeah, again, Bush got uh, one of the articles of impeachment for ordering the NSA to spy domestically for a week, and George Bush has been doing it. And that was before they created any FISA Act with with a sort mm-hmm. of iron gla- ironclad law uh, without any loopholes in it, um, uh, making it a, you know, a felony, five years in jail for every time it's done, which means <laughs> you're talking 5,000 uh, uh, instances of... Uh, of uh, uh, Electronic surveillance in the U.S. Uh, what's without, what five times five thousand is? It's a it's a long time in jail. Yeah, it is a long time without proper authorization. Obviously, without the uh, um, right, without the well, without going legal. to the FISA court. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, we're we're running short on time. Um, well, if this were a a if we had a branch of government not controlled by the Republicans, we'd probably have an investigation at this point. Uh, unlikely that we're going to have one any time before the 2006 elections, and even then, who knows? Um, let's see. Um, how do you see? Do you see the politics of this uh, having an effect? Having an effect on the electorate? Do you see the the story having an effect on the electorate for the 2000? Well, the problem is you got it's you know the electric uh, the the electra. Um, I'm sorry, the electric. I can't even say the word now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's something in the air, I think. <laughs> Electorate is... Yeah, yeah. well, they, um, uh, they're getting fed a lot of uh, um, this fear-mongering by the administration. Um, yeah. The last time the president spoke, I think it was 
probably at least every third or maybe every fourth word was the word terror or terrorist. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's hard for anybody to, to to get a sort of a reasonable perspective of what's going on. Uh, the, uh, you know, put, putting terrorism into a reasonable perspective. And uh, so if you fear, get people uh, scared enough so that every time they walk out the door, they're looking behind them for a terrorist, um, you know, they're going to be supporting any of these uh, kind of uh, illegal or oppressive uh, um, uh, measures. So that's the problem. Again, when you have three parties, uh, rather uh, three portions of the government there, the uh, Senate, yeah. the House, and the White House, all controlled by the same party, um, it's hard for the other side to get their their message out. They can't call hearings or anything. So I think mm-hmm. the only hope is uh, is for a change of administration in uh, November, at least one house or you yeah. know, hopefully two houses will change, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the... Uh, you know, then you better watch out because uh, then you've got some people that have been yeah. pent up for a long time yeah. without any access to hearings and, and all that. And uh, um, this thing will, will still be going on because right. I can't imagine that it could have passed any legislation between now and then. Right. I, I, well, our best hope is a vibrant press, and and so and that's what you were a part of. We're going to have to wrap this up. James Bamford, thank you very much for being a part of Weekly Signals. The book is A Pretext for War, 9-11 Iraq and the Abuse of America's Intelligence Agencies. James Bamford, thanks for being on Weekly Signals. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.